We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. going on everybody happy wednesday or happy whenever the hell you're listening to this it's time for nfl week seven and of course it's time for the roto grinders dfs pick six i'm eric crane i'm joined by two of the best in the business first off joining us from sharp football folk for sharp football stats we got rich rebar what's up Reeves? how we doing <laughs> what's going on guys it's a uh, yeah hard to believe it's week seven already but coming off a real strong week six i mean daigle you know brought up robbie anderson last week we at least we talked about stefan diggs in the middle of the week you know all those ended up hitting in spades uh so we're gonna roll it over and have another strong you know end of the finish of october here yeah, I'm, I'm personally looking forward to it. I think I'm going to start playing a little bit more this week. I've been holding back a little bit this year, just having, you know, you get that, the point where you're just like, yeah, I don't feel that good about the slates. This is one of those weeks I feel like it's all going to start happening good. Also joining us from Roto World with John Dago. What's up, Diggs? How we doing, man? They told me it was going to get cold on the East Coast, but they didn't warn me how cold. And I have a, I have a slight fear it's going to get much worse than this. Like right now it's 45 and rainy, and I hear it gets to like negative at some point, so – we're fighting through right now. Is your, did you turn your heat on already or no? No heat on just yet. I have a feeling right, so it's going to get there. You're doing all right. You're doing okay. all right then if you haven't turned it on yet. Wait, what's the, what's the though. temperature up there, Dago? Like how, how bad are we talking? It is – I don't want to say out loud because you're going to laugh at me. But uh, it is 45 and rainy. That's cold. That's freezing. It's fine. 45. You My know bones are chilling. Okay, I want you to know something. I am very cold-natured. When it's – Anytime it's above about 40 degrees, I still walk the dogs in shorts. Oh, I'm not yeah, prepared I'm for that. Guy. So I, you're over there 45. You're like bundled up or something. I'm still wearing the long sleeve shirt because I'm sitting here not moving. I like to stay comfortable. Yeah, 40. Like, Reeves, you're not, you're not like complaining if it's 45, are you? No, but I mean, I am a summer baby. I, I do love the, I like the heat and prefer it. Uh, my wife does not. I mean, so I don't know. Maybe she started menopause early. I hope she doesn't listen to this. 
if she listens to the the pick six, that's uh that's really some that's support right there, man. <laughs> hey, every right. listener counts. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. I uh, want to point out before we jump into the games that we are running once again the FanDuel single entry series, and it's pretty cool because the prizes this year it's pretty wild. The top six finalists get to go the, to the WFFC party in Puerto Rico and play for a separate prize pool. Make sure you check that out because it's I'm I'm be trying to get there as a contestant both in the single entry series and for the WFFC. So definitely check that out again. Puerto Rico. That's I love that one of the sites are expanding the live finals to go to. Um, you know, look, I I think uh, where's the where's the NBA Hall of Fame? Right, Springfield, Massachusetts, or something. They had a they had the um, the basketball final there. That's great and all. I'd rather go to Puerto Rico. Also, I want to let you guys know regarding SharpSide. Make sure you check out SharpSide. Some great promotions going on with Roto Grinders. Ten thousand total prizes. That includes weekly and half season prizes. Five thousand bucks. To the winner, make sure you check out the SharpSide app, iOS, Android. Pick the NFL lines. Pick the NFL totals. You can play as many or as little as you want. But it's free money, guys. Make sure you check that out because we got a lot of, uh, you know, when there's free money involved, you just take the damn money. So let's go ahead and jump into the slate. We're going to try and make you guys a little bit of free money this week. And let's go to the game where we're going to talk about this team every damn week. It's Arizona at the Giants, 49.5 point total. The Giants got the Giants, three-point favorites at home. Dagle, first off, when's the last time we saw the Giants as favorites? It has been a little bit, and I'm not sure it's warranted either, but remember, we are getting back Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, potentially Sterling Shepard, so they might actually be at full strength. So who knows? It very well could be warranted. And Saquon Barkley may move the line by himself, honestly. Oh, wait, I didn't think running backs mattered. In the, they, uh, they still don't. They oh, still don't. Okay. <laughs> you know, Reeves, when I look at this game, like Dago said, we got Saquon coming back, like, in all likelihood. Same for Evan Ingram. I mean, this Giants team, and this is something that it's weird to say out loud, this Giants team, offensively, they look pretty darn potent, and they get a phenomenal matchup against Arizona. Yeah, uh, one thing about this game is that if you were signed up with our futures package, we gave this game out in the summer at four and a half points. You got an extra point and a half uh, on the cards if you were on that uh, early on. And uh, it's funny as we actually gave away the the Bills versus the Dolphins later in the year at two and a half points for the Bills, and they'll probably be favored by another seventeen again when that comes back around. So uh, if you got those early lines, uh, but this game this game does set up to be pretty fun. I mean, old Daniel Jones, I mean, that first start, he was so fun, and we had a back-and-forth game, and we just haven't had that the past three weeks. In the last two weeks, he ran into some crummy matchups, you know, uh, you know, Minnesota and New England, and he's kind of, you know, not really hitting. Last week, really, not only did he run into New England, he had nobody in the – he had no one in the cupboard. It was just him and Golden Nate. You know, John Hilleman was re- – he was so bad, they just released him. They were just like, you're out of here. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, now it looks like we're going to have fun, a fun back-and-forth game. I do think it's pretty skeptical that they are favorites, but Atlanta was favored in Arizona last week. So, I mean, maybe, you know, Vegas is just discounting the cards altogether. Uh, But uh, this game sets up to be pretty fun. I think we'll see a lot of plays and game stacks out of this game. Obviously, everyone's going to play Evan Ingram. And, like, everyone's going to run to Evan Ingram. He's already practicing. Uh, you know, uh, the flow chart, the, no matter how you want to describe it, whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter because Evan Ingram's really good. And the matchup sets up for him to get the football out because Patrick Peterson's coming back. 
And he doesn't really travel to the slot at all, or really hasn't. I mean, we'll see if he does in this Vance Joseph scheme or not. But, uh, you know, he's going to be outside against a guy like Darius Slayton if we don't get Sterling Shepard back. So it's going to be funnel targets in the middle of the field, you know, and it's going to be Evan Ingram. And it's going to be Golden Tate, you know, the guys that we're looking at to target, you know, outside of, you know, Saquon, obviously, uh, on the return. So, I mean, Evan Ingram is going to be really chalky and really popular for all the reasons of playing Arizona and also being really good at football himself. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, to me, everybody's going to say, oh, Evan, you got to play Evan Ingram because float chart tight ends against Arizona. Dang, I don't give a damn if tight ends against Arizona are a thing right now. Evan Ingram, by himself, I don't care who he's facing, he's just a really good play. Then, and if Sterling Shepard's still out, like Evan Ingram could legitimately lead this team in target share and air yards. The Patrick Peterson return throws a wrench into everything because currently Daniel Jones is getting, is put under pressure at the highest rate among starters in his last four starts. And his deep ball has just been out of whack. And yeah, he hasn't had Golden Tate, but still to go three of 19 on attempts 20 plus yards downfield is not good at all, no matter what talent you have around you. So uh, Patrick Peters' return does throw just a small wrench into everything. However, I still think he can perform well enough with Barkley back on the field. And as you said, a, help, a full health Ingram that we should have fireworks in this matchup on both sides. Yeah, you mentioned Saquon Barkley, and this is a spot, again, don't overthink it. Like, this is a phenomenal Saquon Barkley spot. Coming back from injury, I'm sure there are going to be some people out there that try them to talk themselves out of Saquon. Oh, well, he hasn't played in a while. Oh, you know, he's going to be too popular. Reeves, when I look at Saquon, I just look at a don't get cute spot. Yeah, I mean, it's and especially, you know, we don't have Christian McCaffrey on the board this week uh, on the main slate. So, I mean, we lose at the top running back, which is fun. I love having back-to-back main slates without Christian McCaffrey. It's been real <laughs> fun. I think that's why last week was so much fun, and I enjoyed it last week, uh, you know, setting some some different lineups and, you know, having different plays. And it was so enjoyable because not everyone could just auto-click Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but Arizona, they, you know, we were going to target them against the run coming into the season, and they kind of started out okay against the run the first two games, but then the last month it's it's gone to where we kind of envisioned it going. Christian McCaffrey got them for 188 uh, yards from scrimmage. Chris Carson got them for 145. The the ghost of Joe Mixon even had 109 yards from scrimmage uh, against Arizona, and then Devontae Freeman had 118. So they've all gone over 100 total yards the past four games. So, I mean, it sets up really well for Saquon. And Saquon, the first two weeks before he got hurt, uh, you know, two two games and basically a quarter. Uh, he was leading the league in yards before contact as a runner. Like he looked explosive, uh, and we were just kind of had they were, had it taken from us. Uh, but yeah, it's a spot where you just like go right back to him. And uh, I hope people don't want to play him because I want to play him. I want to play him. I want to play Dalvin Cook. I want to play Leonard Fournette. Uh, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, there are a lot of really good expensive running back uh, plays on this slate. Dega, when I look at this Arizona side, David Johnson, he got it done for us last week. Christian Kirk expected back in this game. And Kyler Murray's a guy that you can just play naked. You can play him with DJ, Fitz, Christian Kirk. Chase Edmonds has been getting more run. I think he's actually a little bit interesting. But Dega, when you look at this Arizona side, it can be a little bit tough to pin down where exactly we're going. So what are you looking at with Arizona? Just the fact that Kyler's got double-digit carries now in two consecutive games is huge. Uh, But even though he has played much better the past month, it's still just Larry Fitzgerald that sticks out in the passing game um, among the receivers. Demir Bird came back, who was leading them in snaps and routes run. But last week he came back and was a fifth on the pecking order behind Trent Sherfield, and they still played Farrell Cooper ahead of him as well um, with rookie Keyshawn Johnson. So it's just kind of a mess 
outside of Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, who's pretty much become their second, if not their first go-to receiver, which is huge for him in this game. Yeah, I mean, everything we talked about David Johnson before the season, this is what we wanted. We wanted, you know, maybe 10 to 15 carries a week. That's fine. But Reeves, when you look at David Johnson, his usage in the passing game just makes him a plug-and-play almost every week. Well, it's really saving him because he's very non-dynamic <laughs> on the field. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's forced four missed tackles on 76 rushing attempts, and he's forced four missed tackles on 30 catches. Like Chase Edmonds just- has <laughs> even looked better than him the past month. Like, it's not close. Yeah, and he's starting to pick up a couple injuries, but, I mean, the Giants are kind of uh, in all capacities, like equal opportunist uh, defense. They're 24th in rushing points allowed the backfields, and they're 25th in receiving points out the backfields. So, I mean, it's this is another week where he, the past three weeks they've run into really cherry matchups, and this is kind of put a cap on this little mini run here. But you talked about Kyler and him running into these matchups has opened up a ceiling because he's not getting pressure. He's been pressured on just 19.5% of his dropbacks the past two weeks. It's the lowest in the NFL the past two weeks. Before it was 32%, the, you know, the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's made a big deal in uh, unlocking his ceiling and, you know, connecting on some of these deep balls and getting rid of the horizontal raid, uh, you know, the past, you know, two and a half weeks. So, I mean, it's uh, nice to see them actually move the ball downfield. Uh, I wish we did have some more receivers to lock onto outside of DJ and, you know, Fitz because the volume's there. Maybe we get Kirk back. Uh, Cliff said today that he needs Kirk to be 100% before he could play. Last week he said he was close, that he was good in straight line speed, but, you know, lateral movement, that's why they held him out. Because the Giants cornerbacks, their top three, Janoris Jenkins, Grant Haley, and DeAndre Baker, they all three of those dudes rank in the bottom nine in terms of yards allowed per coverage snap in the league. Uh, <laughs> all three guys uh, in the bottom nine. So, I mean, there's definitely exploitation here in matchup-wise the problem is, is we just have no one to latch on to from a volume stance outside of Fitz and David Johnson. That's why we need Kirk back to make it a little more interesting, add a little spice in our life, you know, to stacking Kyler Murray. Yeah, you know, I look at this spot and I say, even if, you know, because this isn't the highest total in the game. That's the Rams and the Falcons. But even though this isn't the highest total on the slate, I still look at this as a spot where I say, especially on PPR sites, fantasy points are going to be there to be had. Like if this game ends 23 to 20, there's still going to be pass after pass after pass, reception after reception after reception. And Daigle, this is a game where it's pretty darn easy to game stack it up. Yeah, I think we still look to the Giants side for this. Yes, you can play naked Kyler Murray, or you can just stick with David Johnson as a, as a contrarian stacking option, since most people still don't look to quarterback to their running back. But uh, the Giants, it kind of, it's a concentrated tree, right? It's like Daniel Jones, Evan Ingram, and then if you want to get really frisky, Darius Slayton. Uh, and then Golden Tate, if you don't believe Patrick Peterson will shadow him. But I, I think it's a small enough target tree for both sides that the stacking options are clear for everyone. Yeah, you mentioned Golden Tate. I really hope that Sterling Shepard actually does find a way to return to this one because if that happens, Peterson's going to for sure stay outside with Shepard, which means that we're going to have Golden Tate all alone in the slot. Well, he and Evan Ingram, golly, there are going to be some catches and some points in this one. Got to love it. All right, let's move on. Don't, to the Don't forget about the Cards defense in that game too, man. Uh, the, yeah. the Giants are number one in turnover rate per drive, and you look at the teams they played, obviously Minnesota and New England hit against them because they're only 2,400 on DK, but Washington also had nine points on DK on them and Tampa Bay eight. So, I mean, at 2,400, uh, there's turnover potential still in that game for Arizona to hit. 
But how can I play the defense when I'm going to have all of the uh, Saquon and Evan Ingram? How can I do that? I mean, points allowed and that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, I always I, I can't do it. Like I, I'll do it on a short slate on the main slate though. I just I don't know. Maybe it's a leak of mine. All right, let's talk Rams at the Falcons. Fifty-four point total. The Rams three-point favorites on the road and <laughs> Reeves. Are you convinced that Jared Goff just sucks, man? Talk to me about Jared Goff. Are you are you a Jared Goff apologist? No, I mean, I'm not. And you met me at the Super Bowl. We met in person. And I kept trying to tell everyone before the Super Bowl that Jared Goff was just Derek Carr on the Rams. And, like, basically if you swap places, like, they're the same quarterback. But, I mean, uh, this is an objectively, like, really good spot to go. And, like, it's everyone's already talking about it, which stinks because everyone's yeah. already I, – I was hoping we would get more playing the Jared Goff road splits. Uh, because I actually I actually stock the Jared Goff like pressure splits more than the home away stuff. Uh, you know, we talk about he's fourth in the NFL or he's third in, in pressure rate per drop back this year in the NFL. But if you look at the teams they played and then pair up their offensive line issues, their interior offensive line issues, uh, you know, it makes sense that he's been under pressure because their interior offensive line is bad and they faced a lot of teams that get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, now this week he faces an Atlanta team that hasn't had a sack in their past three games. It's the first time they've done that since 2011 you look at the past two quarterbacks the Falcons have faced Tyler Murray and Deshaun Watson coming into those games those quarterbacks were had, were under pressure uh leading the league in almost pressure rate coming into those games and they got way at one quarterback hit in both those games uh the past few weeks so we're going to get golf in, a, in indoors in a spot where he's probably not going to see a lot of pressure it it signals a big bounce back spot and obviously Atlanta has struggled you know against the, they're allowing 21 passing points per game which is 30th in the league and they have a lot of top 12 scorer in five straight games so I mean we're getting a spot here objectively that signals that you know Jared Goff and the Rams can get this passing game on track uh but you know it's already getting a lot of buzz early in the week when I was hoping we'd get some long-standing Jared Goff road splits negativity uh, going. Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are never that popular, so I don't think we're going to see him over 10%, maybe 11%, somewhere around there. I still don't want to play him. Like, I want my quarterbacks to run a little bit. I also want them to be good at football. Dago, are you playing Jared Goff this week? I am, unfortunately. I thought he was going to be low-owned as well, but uh, clearly we're not going to get that. However, I think you could still be contrarian with Goff if he hits, and that's by fading Cooper Cup and going to Robert Woods, who has a 26% target share from Jared Goff despite not having scored a touchdown yet. He's nearly scored, uh, I think it's six, no, it is... I'm doing the math in my head. 50 fewer fantasy points than Cooper Cup, despite having just a 2% less target share, which is due for touchdown regression at some point, and why not against the terrible Falcons defense? And then Brandon Cooks, who still leads this team in air yards, despite playing only five games, essentially, since he left with a concussion early on thir- that Thursday night game. So uh, you would still go contrarian there. And then, of course, if Todd Gurley plays, who wants to play him off injury? So there are still a lot of options on this offense to go to, even if everyone is going to be on golf. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Todd Gurley, if he plays. He was a limited participant in practice. We're recording this on Wednesday. Malcolm Brown, he did not practice. And if something were to happen to those two guys were out, I see no way to fade Daryl Henderson. He will legitimately be in 100% of my lineups if Gurley and Brown were both out. But you mentioned these wide receivers, Cooper Cup. He's the guy that's priced up 7.4K over on DraftKings. Woods, 5'9", Cooks, 5'4". And Reeves, I like Cooper Cup as much as the next guy, but I don't think he's 2K better than Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean, Cooks is the guy that sticks out to me because we talk about that pressure rate being a problem for Goff. And what when you get a lot of pressure, 
what is that signal? Where do the targets go? There's a reason. There's a lot of corollary and symmetry to why Cooper Cup has started the year the way he has, and it goes hand in hand to how the Rams have have protected Jared Goff. A uh, lot. That's why we started to see Gerald uh, Everett get a higher target share as well. Uh, you know, he, they're they're playing more twelve for pass protection. And he's throwing the ball underneath. Uh, you know, in terms of deep ball percentage, he is actually in completion rate ahead of just Daniel Jones and Josh Rosen. Uh, you know, and that's and rolled over. Brandon Cooks has caught just three of 11 targets on uh, balls 15 yards or further downfield this year. He was at 54% completion on those balls last year. So I look at that um, that symmetry and re- kind of point into the arrow of Atlanta's not going to pressure him. Probably not. Uh, so that deep ball could come back this week. And when you look at the Falcons, if they don't get Desmond Trufant back, they are just able – they're just exploitable over the top. And we saw Will Fuller repeatedly beat them over the top a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's where Brandon Cooks is going to live. Uh, and I think that with no pressure, this is a chance for him to get, you know, uh, that deep ball kind of cooking here. Uh, no pun intended, you know, uh, for Brandon Cooks. No, no, no. The pun was intended, and that's okay. We can live with that. You can pun it up all you want over here. Man. Um, on the Falcons' side, you know, we're going to get to Julio and, of course, the Jalen Ramsey trade with the Rams. But, Dago, when I look at – God, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this guy. Devontae Freeman – I wrote him off. I wanted nothing to do with him in the preseason. After the first three weeks, I was doing a victory lap in my head. Thankfully, I didn't do it publicly because Freeman has had over 18 PPR points in three straight weeks, and now he gets a Rams team that, look, they're going to give up points. Like, this game's going to be a shootout. And, Dagle, I hate to say it, but at 5.4K, Devontae Freeman's really interesting to me. He's still dust on the ground, but the fact that they've now been leaning on him in the passing game, just uh, you look at his last three games in particular, nine targets, five targets, and three targets, and that three targets was, of course, last week where he caught two receiving touchdowns as well. Um, he's become David Johnson light, essentially, just runs into his line when given the, t- the line share of carries, but then also now being utilized underneath. So he is a terrific option, but then, of course, you can also look to – If Julio Jones plays, that is, and if Jalen Ramsey plays, Jalen Ramsey would obviously be shadowing Julio Jones. Are we Uh, sure? Rams uh, haven't shadowed all year, not a single time. I'm really curious to see what happens. I know, but so so it may not, they may not, and perhaps even if he does, it may not matter. But the Rams did say that if they play Ramsey, they would use him intentionally. And so I get the subtle hint when they use that word that they would use him to shut down Julio Jones, who, uh, this hip injury, I, I think, is a little more serious than we think. Uh, he's battled it now for a few consecutive Wednesdays, and um, he's clearly – he hasn't been as successful the past three weeks as well. Okay, so if we see Ramsey shadowing Julio Jones, which, again, we don't know if that's going to happen or not, right. but I like what you said uh, from the coaching staff because that makes a lot of sense. They're going to use him intentionally. I like that word. Maybe he will be shadowing Julio Jones. And to me, Reeves, this screams Calvin Ridley. Yeah, especially if Ramsey plays. Uh, I think it, it, it's – well, you have to think about the whole dynamic of everything that this happened with the Rams this week. Um, and and we can't just apply what they – they didn't have to shadow anybody because they had Tlaib and Peters on the outside. Like mm-hmm. boundary series, they didn't have to shadow. Now you lose Tlaib Tyar. You also lose safety John Johnson. Like it's an entire shakeup. It's an entire secondary shakeup. So, I mean, there's a reason that they can go and switch now. And especially if you get a guy three days before a game or five, four days before a game – he doesn't have to learn your scheme. He can just be Jalen Ramsey where you just send him out there and you say, hey, dude, you're just going to follow Julio Jones. Like, just go play football. And it sets up well for them to do that, which definitely points in the arrow of Calvin Ridley, who for some reason has bounced back, but his price isn't moving. 
Like he's not moving in either site. Like his price isn't going up. He scored a touchdown the past two weeks. Um, and then if we're going to get, you know, Ramsey to shadow him, he's going to run around on, on the field against, you know, basically all backups. So, I mean, here we go where he's priced under and it's a game stack we want to go. I'm, I was looking at his projected ownership earlier, and I don't know if it'll go up during the week, but it's so low, and I can't believe um, it. Yeah, um, I'm I'm looking right now, and again, recording this Wednesday night, I'm seeing six percent on Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that is oh, crazy to me. I'm yeah. loading up. I'm loading up. I I bet it gets higher. It'll get a groundswell, especially with Ramsey. You know, as Graham, we see Ramsey practice or get involved. The Falcons are interesting because we always want to target them because they've shifted into you know they throw the ball as much as any team in the NFL, second in the league in pass rate because they have to. They trail. They've trailed by. Uh, double-digit points at a higher rate than the Miami Dolphins this year. Think about, like, how bad that is. Uh, you know, and so but the problem is, is their usage tree is wide, so one of these guys always gets left out every game. Like, last week it was Sanu who was left out. The week before it was Julio. Like, there's always one of these guys that gets left out. I have a feeling it's going to shift to Devontae Freeman pretty soon because what he's doing is just not sustainable, especially the touchdowns, the receiving touchdowns. Three receiving touchdowns in two games, like, for a running back is – and it's not like they're using him downfield. Like, he's getting these run-in touchdowns. So, I mean, uh, you know, eventually he's going to be left out in the cold here one of these games. I don't know if this will be it or not, but uh, they're frustrating because we just don't have a skinny usage tree. It's wide, and they're throwing for 340 yards every game. Uh, you know, but Austin Hooper is still crushing. You know, he's still kind of you know, almost even underpriced, which is crazy because he's not really, like, a special player. He's kind of like Zach Ertz, you know. Ertz is like a really good football player, but he's not really anything special. Like Ertz is never going to house a 60 yard, you know, catch, run after the catch or a touch on like a Kittle or Kelsey. That's kind of how Hooper is, but Hooper is just living off so much immense value. He's run the most routes in the NFL of all tight ends. Uh, you know, the Rams are 25th in yards per target to opposing tight ends. It probably sets up for another, like another week where he gets peppered with targets uh, because also the Rams are, are the Rams are a team that get a high pressure rate and the Falcons have a bad offensive line. So we're going to get a lot of those intermediate types of targets and a high volume of them once again. Yeah. Like I hate playing guys like Austin Hooper, guys that everybody else has been playing every week and I've been fading and I feel like that I've missed the train. I'm not going to, you know, try and run to catch up. I just feel like I'm going to keep fading. And if it lights me on fire, it lights me on fire. But especially you mentioned John Johnson being placed on IR. That's the guy who usually covered the tight end for the Rams. And like, this is a really good Hooper spot. I don't want to play Austin Hooper. I don't like playing Austin Hooper, but on a week where everybody's going to play Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper is one of those guys that, oh boy, Dagle, you have to consider. Yeah, I mean, what, do you, what else can you say? At least seven targets in the last month in every single game. Matt Ryan's having a MVP year, but it doesn't matter because their defense is atrocious. So, yeah, I mean, you just play Hooper and uh, you play a lot of players. I think we need to spend a little more time, though, on the Todd Gurley on the other side because, remember, like Todd Gurley played 93% of the snaps two weeks ago before he was injured. If he plays, I would just assume that's the game plan. And so you load up on Todd Gurley and don't worry about the injury. But if he's out and Malcolm Brown plays, I understand Malcolm Brown got the two goal line touches and essentially worked 60-40 ahead of Daryl Henderson. But I think we saw enough in Daryl Henderson to like tout him as the better player, so much so that I would play Henderson over Malcolm Brown if it's just those two in the backfield. Henderson looked like the best running back on the team last week. Henderson looked amazing, and he had the yeah. dumb—he had the dumb rookie fumble in his face mask. But uh, besides that, like he looked—he really did. He really did look incredible, though. 
Yeah, and you know, it's funny because we're all talking about the passing game for the Rams. Like everybody likes Jared Goff. Who's it gonna be? Woods, Cooks, Cut. Meanwhile, if Gurley's gonna be questionable all week, this happens every time we get to Sunday. Running back's been questionable all week. Everybody's already fallen in love with the passing game. Reeves, we might end up getting a running back against the Falcons who should be getting most of the usage at really low ownership. And if Gurley makes it to Sunday and is in there, Reeves, I don't know about you, but I've gotta have to have some Todd Gurley. No oh boy. No, uh, man. Oh, no, man. No, I mean, I don't disagree with you. It's actually everything you guys lay out objectively from just a game theory stance. Yeah, I'm just sad because it's it, it all makes sense. Because, uh, I don't want to play Todd Gurley. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna have Todd, te- Todd Gurley and Austin Hooper. Uh, Todd Gurley and Austin Hooper. I'm not gonna feel good about that. I'm gonna feel like everything <laughs> I've done over the first six weeks of the NFL season is just fraudulent. But what do you do, man? It's a really good spot. I think yeah, Reeves I mean, is just. I think Reeves is just scared because, like, we're, we want to play a running back that turns like one of those paddle boats. Like he just kind of slowly <laughs> moves around. <laughs> He's like a swan, a swan on the lake that you get out with your with your lady. Uh, that's how how it is. It's a slow. It's a slow trip. Because uh, he isn't hot. he didn't go over seventy yards from scrimmage uh, in any game since week one. But he's been living off that touchdown deodorant uh, that he that he's had. So I mean, the touchdown upside is there. Uh, the Rams man are so bad at running the football. I mean, they are second to last in running back touches per game, and they're ahead of only the Bengals in yards for scrimmage per game from their backfield. It's been objectively bad. The Falcons are the elixir, though. I mean, the elixir that cures all. So uh, the t- all tides raise when you play the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I, look, I'm not going to want to do it, but I feel like you have to consider doing it. Let's talk Baltimore and Seattle. 49-point total. Seattle three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. And Look, we're supposed to have some rain issues here. I'm not going to get worried about that yet. But Daigle, I saw earlier today that if you look at futures bet in the NFL, Russell Wilson is now the favorite to win the NFL MVP. And it's something we've been talking about for a few weeks where he's just been an absolute stud. He gets a Ravens defense. They just traded for Marcus Peters. It sounds like Jimmy Smith, he's not coming back this week. He's going to be coming back next week. But what do we think about the Seattle side? Because I think this is really interesting and I think it's really important to get right. I think it's pretty easy to, to, to account for all their touchdown equity. Um, and that's the best part about the Seattle offense, because even if Marcus Peter plays one, you're not worried about him. He's a gambling quarterback who a receiver could easily beat that receiver, most likely being DK Metcalf on the outside, but two Peters will be on the outside. So you still have the uber efficient Tyler Lockett in the slot roaming free against what is just a terrible, terrible defense. Um, Earl Thomas is worrisome, but we're not worried about Russ who just continues to make plays. And then if you don't play Russ, you want to get contrarian, then you just go straight to Chris Carson, who is now a bell cow. And I understand Rashad Penny was out last week, but remember Rashad Penny played 16% of the snaps two weeks ago, and he just basically got one or two touches. He's become a handcuff over time and no longer a 1B back that we thought he was going to be. So uh, it's pretty easy to just smash Chris Carson and Russ in there. Chris Carson, who also can be a stacking option. Yeah, nobody ever stacks the quarterback and running back, and I know there's some positive correlation just because if Seattle has a big game, it's going to be one of the two of them scoring every single touchdown. Reeves, when I look at the spot, I think Dago made a good point because Tyler Lockett working in the slot. That's why I'm going to be targeting. I'm going to have some Chris Carson this too. What about you, Reeves? Yeah, I mean, Tyler Lockett is typically a guy I fade for DFS just because of the volume. I mean, if you don't get them in a pure point-chasing situation, I mean, the volume is just not there. He's a great football player and uber-efficient, but it's hard for me to always put guys in that like might have like a five- to six-target cap. 
Uh, and that's kind of like where he's lived outside of the two games where they had to put points up. And, you know, maybe we get that here. They have to put points up against the Ravens, you know, who are one of the highest scoring teams on the road. Hopefully we do get that. Uh, the match of everything lines up. I mean, he typically is a guy that I don't like to play, though. Marlon Humphrey actually has shadowed in the slot recently, uh, you know, against Tyler Boyd. He just nuked Tyler Boyd last week, three for 10. He yeah. followed Odell Beckham around a couple weeks ago and held him to two for 20. Um, and he, he didn't shadow Juju in the game that they played, but, uh, he did give a touchdown to him. Um, but you know, um, he's been traveling in the slot though. And then them getting Peters only enhances the viability of moving him around in the slot. I love Chris Carson in this game, uh, because I mean, he's just getting so many touches. I mean, 26, 28, 28 touches the past three weeks. It's how he finished the year last year. Um, and then he also has seven and a half receiving points uh, in, in three of his past four games, which was not his MO last year. And then you, well, Baltimore is also people just look at the, the matchups or, you know, the little numbers next to the guys when they pick players. You know, Baltimore doesn't show up as like a smash spot, but it's because they've played four awful running teams, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Cardinals, and the Dolphins. But when they faced the Chiefs and the, and the Browns, they got smoked on the ground. They gave up 189 total yards to the Chiefs backfield, 237 total yards to the Browns backfield. So, I mean, it's an exploitable spot. We know Chris Carson's going to get a ton of touches. They aren't going to go away from what they do. And then on the other side, like, I like to just play Russ. You could just play Russ by himself or with Carson as the stack. The thing we love about Russ is that he throws the ball into the end zone more than any other quarterback. 11.6% of his, of his passes have gone into the end zone. The next highest quarterback's at 9.8% Matthew Stafford. So, I mean, you're getting end zone targets from Russ. That's what we love. That's why his touchdowns keep coming off of such low value because he throws the rock into the paint, and that's what we love about him. And Will Disley was quietly a uh, top two among tight ends and end zone targets and had a 15% target share. So that's all vacated now as well. Okay, I'm just going to throw this one out there. This is a one of those half-baked ideas. But Marcus Peters gets beat deep. DK Metcalf, that is literally all he can do. Mm-hmm. Come on, Dago, come to DK Metcalf Island with me this week. I, I'm actually okay with that. I thought you were going to say Luke Wilson, and I was prepared no, to shut you yeah, down. That, I was like, way, no, I'm not going to Luke Wilson. There is way too many L's in there for me to play Luke Wilson. I've taken enough L's this year. Yeah, always remember you're taking two L's with Luke yeah, Wilson. Yeah, it's just it's just not a good <laughs> idea, man. Like, <laughs> all right, I'm glad you're on DK Metcalf Island. It's a lonely place. We might not score a single point, but hell, we know how to party and run on a straight line. On the Ravens' side, Lamar Jackson continues to pile it up for Baltimore, coming off another Huge game. Mark Ingram was chalked last week. Didn't see that one coming. But to me, I look at this Baltimore side, and it's really easy because I'm playing Lamar Jackson, and I'm playing Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown just 5.6K over on DraftKings. Dagle, I see you're shaking your head yes because the upside of Marquise Brown in this spot in a good match is just way too good to ignore. I'm still curious what, and maybe one of you have it on your side. So while I'm talking, if you can look up Marquise Brown's ownership, I'd like to know because now that he missed last week, that's why I wanted to go right back to him. Um, I did use Willie Sneed in some spots last week, but come to find out if Marquise Brown's out, it doesn't matter. Like Mark, Mark Andrews is the guy they put in the slot. Like he got 18 slot snaps last week in favor of Marquise Brown, who was out. So I look to Marquise Brown, who still leads this team in air yards. We haven't seen him play in a while, so we forget that he still has a 25% target share on the season. And that's who they're going to go to, both underneath and as a downfield threat in this game, if he's healthy. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking right now, Roto-Grinders again, projecting this Wednesday. A lot can change between Wednesday and some and Sunday. But I'm seeing 7%. I guess it settles more around 10 or 11%. But Reeves, 
that's the guy for me on this team. And I know Anders is going to get some get some ownership, but for me, I'm just playing Marquise Brown. Yeah, we need to see him be healthy. I mean, he didn't practice today, and like I said, it's Wednesday. I mean, we can see this change because we need him to be healthy because the last two games he played, he had a 6.1 average depth of target, 6.1 yard. That's not the Marquise Brown we want to have in lineups. We want we want the deep ball. We want the home runs, you know, from Marquise Brown. We want the splash plays. I actually do like Mandrews because, like we talked about with Hooper, so many people are going to be fixated on Evan Ingram, man, this week. So many people. And Mandrews might get overlooked. We saw him bounce back. I mean, he's actually been a top 12 scorer in five of his six games, uh, you know, against the Bengals team that we were, we always target. But Seattle is actually 26 in yards per target, a lot of the tight ends. They've been hit up by the tight ends. We've seen Gerald Everett a couple weeks ago really put it on them. So I do like Mandrews as a stacking partner. And then this is another really just great spot, especially if we get some rain, uh, that or rain and wind for Lamar Jackson and do what he does best. So Lamar Jackson has played – Four teams so far that are in the bottom 10 in the NFL in pressure rate. And against those teams, he's had over 20 fantasy points in all those games. Seattle's 28th in pressure rate. They don't get any pressure rate on the quarterback. The Browns did whatever they wanted on Seattle. They just butchered drives, had turnovers, a turnover on downs inside the goal line. The Browns only punted once in that game. They moved the ball at will. And then Seattle has also a lot, uh, started to allow some rushing yards to the quarterbacks. You know, Kyler had a rushing touchdown against them. Baker Mayfield had 35 rushing yards and a touchdown against them last week. So, I mean, it sets up well uh, if we get some weather to turn for Lamar Jackson. One, do what he does best. And then, you know, two, not get pressured, which is a big deal for Lamar Jackson and his passing acumen. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, you mentioned in the rain. I love guys like this in the rain because everybody says, oh, the offense is going to struggle because it's raining, the field's wet. Meanwhile, it's the defense that actually has to be changing direction and not know where the hell they're going with a guy like Lamar Jackson there. Daigle, I love this spot for him. I hope the weather's bad for Lamar. And just like we mentioned with the Giants, it's a pretty concentrated tree for the Ravens as well. If Marquise Brown plays, you can stack Marquise Brown with Lamar Jackson. Otherwise, you can use Mandrews because they don't go anywhere else. Uh, if, if there were ever a week they would have used Miles Boykin, it would have been last week. And even, that, and even then, just three targets. Like Lamar Jackson just does not throw to the outside. That's his weakness. He goes over the middle, so it becomes just X player in Brown. If he's out, Y player in Andrews, and that's it. I do not. We're not going to talk about Miles Boykin. Let's just let's just move on from that discussion because that was that was awfully depressing for your boy over here. All right, let's talk some quarterbacks. And Reed, this is a week where a lot of the quarterbacks we want to play, we have already discussed. You know, we've already discussed Russ and Lamar. We've discussed Matt Ryan and Jared Goff. We've talked about Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. Reed, who are some of the quarterbacks that are maybe under the radar for you this week? Yeah, it's really linear and top-heavy this week. It's really hard to go under, you know, it's really hard to value shop at quarterback this week. I think maybe you can look at a guy like Jacoby Brissett in a tournament or not. But, I mean, really, I think the one guy that might get lost in the shuffle, probably not, is Josh Allen. I mean, he's had 16 or more fantasy points in every game outside of the Patriots game. Miami's allowed 15 or more DK points to every quarterback they faced and 20 or more to everyone not named Case Keenum. And then last year (laughs) – Last year, Josh Allen just absolutely obliterated the Dolphins. He was the QB2 at 29 fantasy points in their first meeting. He was the QB1 with 41 fantasy points in the second meeting. Uh, Miami's allowing a league-high 9.3 yards per pass play. They're 31st in yards per play, pass play allowed on first down. And uh, Josh Allen is actually second in the league in first down passing rate behind Patrick Mahomes. Probably not something you'd expect from a Buffalo Bills quarterback. Uh, but uh, both of the, all those things line up. The only thing we worry about is, is just Miami kind of doing their part long enough 
in this because, uh, you know, if Josh Allen doesn't have to run, uh, you know, we might not see that ceiling get to where it was last year. But, I mean, he's a pretty objectively good play that's priced in the middle of all these quarterbacks we talked about. Yeah, you know, Josh Allen, like you said, he absolutely destroyed Miami twice last year. And, I mean, we'll get to wide receivers in a little bit, but the Josh Allen to John Brown combination is one that I'm going to be heavily invested in. Dago, who are some of the other quarterbacks you're looking at? I think we pretty much covered the board, but another one I was, I've been looking at a little bit, if only because he was so, so poor last week and now gets a great matchup, is uh, Gardner Minshew. The Bengals, as we know, have struggled mightily against the past. And yes, Gardner Minshew was terrible against the Saints last week. Just awful. But also, like, Marshawn Lattimore shut down his one deep threat in DJ Shark. And he gets the Bengals this week that are missing their top two corners. Um, So they're going to be playing backups across the board. And if we get DJ Shark roaming free, not only do you get Shark, who was a top 10 wide receiver coming into last week, uh, not only do you get him at low ownership, but then you also get Minshew at low ownership. And it's a terrific pivot off someone who we'll talk about, I'm sure, who's just in the best running back spot ever this week in Leonard Fournette. Yeah, you mentioned that passing games have been beating up the Bengals. The nice thing about the Bengals is everybody beats them up because Leonard Fournette is all the way up to 7K. But like you said, Dago, like this is just a spot where with Lenny Fournette, man, it's softly tough to fade. And Leonard Fournette is a stacking option as well. Like, like we mentioned, it's a contrarian, although it's positive correlation. And Leonard Fournette, just the entire offense goes through him. Um, the past two weeks, weeks alone, six and a half targets. But even before then, he's had fewer than six targets in just one game this season. So, uh, so yeah, you could just continue looking to him. Um, the Bengals, we mentioned it last week, had a previously allowed six RB1 games in five weeks. Uh, and then again, they struggled last week again. So we just go right back to Fournette. That's pretty much the top running back on the board. I'm sure all of us want to talk about. Yeah. And Reeves, when I look at a guy like Leonard Fournette, I, I poo-pooed on him a lot in the preseason. And meanwhile, here I am ready to pay 7K for him in daily because the guy's just involved everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a better spot for that touchdown regression, I think, than this week because, you know, the Jaguars have 10 passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. That's not going to stick. It really only sticks because they haven't gotten inside the five. I mean, they are ahead of only the Jets and yards or plays run inside the five-yard line. They're tied with Miami. Uh, the Bengals are allowing five-and-a-half red zone opportunities per game at home. It's the highest in the league. They've trailed for 75% of their snaps. That's ahead of only Miami. So we're going to have a lot of – game script that points to old Lenny and even if you don't like you guys have hit on he's averaging seven and a half PPR points out of the backfield receiving per game uh you know so I mean you're getting all this usage he's on the field as much as Christian McCaffrey uh so I mean he's a guy that we use signal for the this is the spot for that that touchdown regression to finally you know settle in Dangle who are some of the other running backs you're looking at uh yeah so of course Fournette was one uh we already talked about Chris Carson and then another I think you could go to this week would be, well, those are kind of the two I was going to talk about. Uh, I guess we can just lean to Josh Jacobs. How about that? Because as we know, this Green Bay defense has focused on stopping on the outside as opposed to stopping the run. They're just getting hemorrhaged up the middle for runs. And as we know, the Raiders continue want to run the ball. Uh, last we saw Jacobs, he was 20, 26 carries for 120 yards and two touchdowns. And without Tyrell Williams, who is now dealing with plantar fasciitis, uh, I would assume that they lean on the run even more and the Packers just allow it to happen. 
Yes, I wish Jacobs was getting used more in the passing game, and they have said they wanted to focus on that. Um, he has over, he has at least 20 receiving yards in the past two weeks. But, of course, we need more than that for him to be viable on DK. It's just a matter of them now coming off the bye. He's only 5K, fully healed on DK. So, uh, yeah, that's a sneaky tournament option. What about you, Reeves? Who are some of the other running backs you're looking at? Yeah, Jacobs is interesting. Oakland's offensive line has been dominant, which is yep. probably something we all didn't see coming. They're third in adjusted line yards. Um, but the thing with Jacobs is we haven't seen him hit for fantasy in a loss yet. All of his games that he's hit are wins, and is, he's been their RB28 and the RB48 in the losses. So we need to see if that is if he's going to have usage in negative game script because that's when they've gone away from. So hopefully we get that little stickiness. He's a six-point road dog. So we'll get a, a, a nice you know beat on that this week. Uh, you know, outside of those guys we hit, I mean, Dalva Cook's obviously in a smash spot. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's real interesting. I mean, down the board, I mean, we're getting, uh, Devin Singletary back. Uh, that thank God. Kind of fun. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I thought mean, we were going to have Frank Gore week, man. Like, listen, Shang, no, Shang Sung's not going away. Uh, he, he's going to be involved. But, uh, Devin Singletary was like a big lid popper. I mean, he was a guy that was getting splash plays for the game and a half he was active on. I mean, all his touches went for like 10, 10 plus yards. Uh, and then they, they, in the second game, they played the Giants, which is a similar spot to this. And he was mixed in the run a lot more in the early downs than he was in week one, where he was basically just treated like a satellite back. You know, Miami's allowing 200 yards from scrimmage per game to opposing backfields. Uh, so, I mean, there's enough to share here. I mean, he's not a guy you're playing cash at all, but, you know, I think he's 4,900 on DK. I mean, if you can get, you know, 80 to 90 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown plus a few catches, I mean, that's a pretty nice spot there. Um, and then uh, on the other side uh, of that Josh Jacobs game, I mean, dude, is, is Jamal Williams like a tournament dude now? Like, is he like a – he's he's actually been good too. Like, he actually warrants the touches he's getting. I can't even throw shade at him because <laughs> – He's getting double-digit touches in his last three full games. He's been a top 30 scorer in all three. He's actually effective with his touches. Uh, man, it's – I don't know. Is, are we what, here in like a game where they're big home favorites? Which is funny because he historically wasn't a zone runner. Like, that was the issue. That's why they grabbed well, – that's why I assume they grabbed Dexter Williams. And uh, the one time they could have played Dexter Williams, they just healthy scratched him in favor of Trey Carson. So it's clearly now – Jamal Williams has played uh, 49% of the snaps to Aaron Jones, 51% in the four games they've played together. Um, he's just been more effective on his touches, so you're right. He, it's the one time we cannot be mad at Jamal Williams for splitting the work because he's truly been awesome. Yeah, and I wish he was cheaper. 4.9K feels like a lot to pay for a guy that's going to see 40% of snaps, but I get what you mean as far as a tournament option goes. We, are we just going to ignore this Texans-Colts game? We haven't talked about a single guy here yet. It's Bill O'Brien, and it's just funny because if there were ever a time they were going to go away from Carlos Hyde, it was last week. On the very first play, they give it to him, and he fumbles the ball. However, the next drive, they just went back. They're never quitting Carlos Hyde. And, yes, he was good against the Chiefs, but coming into that game, he had been absolutely miserable. Um, He spiked that 80-yard game against the Saints in week one, but then has since then uh, struggled to even top 70 yards. And so now they sort of wrote a blueprint for the Colts. Uh, uh, the Colts did and the Texans did in beating the Chiefs. So that benefited Carlos Hyde in that game. But you clearly don't want to go back to Carlos Hyde. And unfortunately, you can't go back to Duke Johnson because they just continue giving him nine touches, if that, per game. They just have no interest in using him despite swapping a pick for him. Dude, I'm just convinced that Duke Johnson isn't good. 
Like every fantasy guy wants Duke Johnson to be good, and yet he just keeps getting passed from team to team and never gets work. Like maybe I'm just a hater, but Reeves, if this guy was good, people would be playing him, right? I mean, I I mean, I want to <laughs> say so, but he's he's like everything objectively shows that every time he touches the ball, he is good. Yeah, it's like that's the that's the hangup. Um, yeah, it's frustrating that he doesn't get more burn. Um, but every time he touches the ball, he is good. That's the frustrating part, but obviously they're not going away from Carlos Hyde. I thought this game would be one of the ones you had on the show sheet. I think the one issue I have with this game is, one, we've talked about the Texans for a couple weeks and trying to buy some of these regression candidates, is that just everyone's expensive, Um, which is, you know, Deshaun Watson with no Patrick Mahomes is the QB1 on the slate. Uh, You know, DeAndre Hopkins still has never been priced down for production, so he's like, we keep chasing the – we keep chasing the regression and keep waiting for a hit, but you have to keep paying for it. You know, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, and then the other thing about this game that's sneaky is that both these teams are slow as hell. Like they, the, the Frank Reich with Jacoby Brissett, like it, he swerved right into just being like, yeah, man, we're just going to run the ball all game. Uh, not really run a lot of plays, not let the other our opponents run a lot of plays. And Bill O'Brien doesn't care about that either. He'll He's completely fine doing the same thing. So it's like that game has upside in it. We've seen them play in a shootout last year. One of their three games was a shootout, but the other two weren't. Uh, because if, if these games do slow down, they both these teams are willing to play slow, and that's what's frustrating. That's probably one of the most frustrating things about the Texans and why we always highlight, you know, we do talk about Deshaun Watson last week, and against the Saints and against the Falcons, those are the spots we highlight him because he has to score points. Um, you know, it's it's if he doesn't have to here, you know, it's kind of a bummer to, to pay all of the QB one for him. It's all it's all just negative in this game because even the Texans have allowed the most receptions to running backs, but Marlon Mack, who they're going to lean on, doesn't get any work in the passing game whatsoever. And then you factor in that the Texans are now using 12 personnel more and getting both Fells and Aikens involved um, to take away from their receivers. Like even Kiki Kuti, who's played the last two weeks, hasn't played over 50% of their snaps because they continue using tight ends. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins' average depth of targets under eight yards this year. It's just... Like, it's all negative in this game. Yeah, you know, Except I, for T.Y. Except for T.Y. Except for T.Y., well, who, who is owned in RG Stadium. Uh, let's just go ahead and talk about uh, wide receivers then, because T.Y. Hilton is a guy. I don't know why he's priced only at 5.9K. He just crushes the Texans every single time. He always plays better at home. I'm I'm all aboard the T.Y. train. Every time this matchup comes up, I play him. Every time it works out, Reeves, I don't see a reason I'm going to back off here. Yeah, I mean, he's projected to be the highest-owned wide receiver of the weekend. I mean, Price plays into it. I will say the way they're using T.Y. Hilton this season is a bummer. Um, He's averaging career lows in yards per catch, 9.7 yards. He's got a career low depth of target of 8.1 yards. He's basically just used as like a typical like ancillary slot guy, but he does lead the team in end zone targets, which is made up for a lot of it. Uh, and then you talk about just the history at home against the Texans. You know, he averages a, over 100 yards per game. He has nine touchdowns in 14 career games against the Texans. The Texans are also just equally bad against wide receivers and by any wide receiver with speed. You know, Bradley Roby's been the guy that's played in the slot this year, transitioning you know into the slot. And his uh, all of his peripheral stats are way uh, below his career norms. He's had trouble. Uh, so, I mean, and, and they're 27th in points allowed to wide receivers, you know, Texans. So they've had trouble. So it does line up where he's just a, a, a real hard fade. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely going to have him in cash. I think his ownership, like if you catch him in like 
if they if you get that bus driver game from Jacoby Brissett and you're only going to get like a six for sixty or like an eight for eighty from Ty Hilton, uh, then like you're getting a nice a nice fade on the field though. Yeah, you know I. Th- the reason I think T.Y. Hilton's just been struggling, you know, it's a lot different when you don't have Andrew Luck throwing you the football as opposed to Jacoby Brissett, but this is still a spot, like, maybe I'm just looking at the history too much and what T.Y. Hilton did with Andrew Luck. Even if that's the case, though, Daigle at 5.9, I'm just not willing to fade T.Y. Hilton this week. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't mind T.Y. Hilton at all. I think he's in a good spot. If there's anyone that comes out of that game safe, I believe it's him. Um, someone who is cheaper than him, though, that I like, and – it's it's tough just because I understand Keenan Allen has struggled uh, the past few weeks. However, Keenan Allen again has a tough matchup, and the more that the Chargers lean on Melvin Gordon, the more they need to get more people involved. And even though Hunter Henry was involved, he ran the third most routes among tight ends last week, and we probably may talk to him talk about him next segment. Mm-hmm. I like Mike Williams to bounce back a lot. Uh, Mike Millen's quietly double-digit targets last week, nearly 200 air yards, owned 40% of the team's air yards as a downfield target, and yet only came around with came away with five receptions for 72 yards. Like if there was ever a bounce-back spot, someone who's now appears healthy and is being utilized downfield just under a 20-yard average depth of target, it's Mike Williams. And uh, since the Titans have been so good in slot coverage – that, of course, will then trickle down to Keenan Allen and hopefully get Mike Williams involved more on the outside. Here's my biggest problem with Mike Williams is that I'm not sure he gets the end zone looks with Hunter Henry back. That is my main concern. If you're not getting the end zone looks, I don't think you're getting there with Mike Williams. Hunter Henry's a guy that is really interesting this week. You know, He's just 4K and reads. Yeah. I feel like we have to consider Henry at that price. Yeah, I had Mike Williams shot it down as well. He's the, actually the guy that has the most symmetry to like the Will Fuller chase because he's getting a ton of air yards. He's got five end zone targets and no touchdowns yet. Uh, he's going to get the matchup all correlates to him. You know, Malcolm Butler's not the ninth most yardage in coverage out of all players, and the Chargers just can't run the football now. They're on their third. They're on their third string center. Their second string guard. Uh, just 14.8% of their yardage last three weeks has come from rushing. It's the lowest in the league. They have to throw now because they can't, they can't do anything on the ground. Uh, he's only 4,600 on DK, which is just way too cheap. So, I mean, he's the guy I had jotted down. Hunter Henry at 4K, though, because they played so late um, on Sunday night, he got the, you get that freeze frame of pricing. Uh, the bummer is we probably missed Hunter Henry's best game of the year last year. That's the only downside. Yeah. Uh, but he's still too cheap. You don't have to have the, you don't have to have 100 yards, eight catches, and two touchdowns for him to hit at 4K still. Uh, and, the, and the Titans matchup is probably one that people think is bad, but really, like, really isn't. They haven't really faced any good tight ends, but they have allowed four touchdowns to the position, which is tied for the second most in the league. Uh, and the one good tight end that they faced really was Austin Hooper, and he had 130 yards on him. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no – at 4K, it's – I mean, he's going to be a guy a lot of people play uh, if they don't play Evan Ingram. I think that I, – I haven't looked at the ownership for tight ends, but I bet it's Ingram and Henry as the top two guys. Um, it's I'm, really it's really just Ingram. Ingram and then Hooper. Oh, really? Yeah. I figured at his price that Hunter Henry would be higher on than yeah, Ingram, I, but I guess yeah, not. We, we might have to see how that plays out. Mark Andrews also is going to be really popular at the tight end position. Um. Is there anybody on this Packers team, as far as receivers go, that we can trust, Daigle? No. Okay. What about you? <laughs> anybody for you? No. Aaron Rodgers is bad at football. He is. Oh, whoa, whoa. That was hotter Wait, than my, That was hotter oh, than my take. Whoa, whoa. Oh, 
<laughs> All right, you keep going, Reeves. Go ahead, man. If you're spitting fire like that, keep going. No, no. I mean, I mean, he's he's just not. He's not a good. He's not a strong fantasy option. And part of that is because you know Devonte Adams hasn't played, but he hasn't bought into the scheme change, which is I think what we were all hoping for. I mean, he's still at the bottom of the league in play action rate, even though when he uses play action, he's averaging nine point oh yards pass attempt. And when he doesn't use play action, he's averaging 6.8 yards, a piddly 6.8 yards per attempt because he complains about play action. He, he said he doesn't like turning his back to the defense, but even though he's objectively better and their passing game's better when he uses play action, he refuses to use it because he's just a red ass that doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the last time he used play action like at a high rate in the NFL was 2014. And when he, did, when he used that play action rate, he was 11th in the league and he won the MVP award. And like and since the since the 2014 season, he's been 27th uh, in the NFL in yards per pass attempt uh, because he doesn't want to come out of his own skin and do the thing that's right for the team and right for elevating his his own statistics. Um, and all these other pack, Packers receivers are probably also bad. Well, I'm just uh, really <laughs> happy we got the phrase "red ass" uh, worked into the show. Guys, On to a DFS show, the only one. <laughs> we got to get off here, uh, Dale. Tell the people where they can find you. Rotoworld.com. Also, we are running a sale on our season-long package, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, Rotoworld.com slash win. We'll get you rankings, projections, and other things for the rest of the year for only 20 bucks. Good deal. That's, that's, a, that's a good read. A, that was off memory, too. You weren't even reading that. I'm no impressed. script in my book, buddy. <laughs> Reeves, where can the people find you? Yeah, I'm at uh, Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, you know, I'm still doing the weekly worksheet and a weekly DFS uh article over there and some other stuff in between but those are the big main sticking points if you want to get over there you know we're in week seven you started out you know one and five or two and four and you're really feeling like you know man my season long didn't really go well for me i want to try some dfs out uh you just get in get in the pool i mean you know the worksheet in that article are some things that you know can really guide you and uh at least you know a blanket coverage of uh plays and what to do uh, and what some all the players are covered in that in that article, so check that out. And then uh, at Sharp Football, if you use the promo code Sharp twenty five, you can get twenty five percent off uh, any type of subscription, a week long, month long, uh, rest of the season, whatever you want to do. And that applies to not just the fantasy side, but the betting and prop side. If you also want that as well, um, so definitely you know hit us up. All right, sounds good. Appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, Week seven, we're almost halfway through the season. It's crazy how much it has flown by. Always good to see you guys. John Daigle, Rich Rebar, thanks for joining me. I'm Eric Graham. We'll catch you all next week. Peace.